0: Um, so so today, um, today is very special because um, I'll tell you all why it's special in a moment, right? But, but we w- I want to share with you guys a word. Share with you guys a word uh, in a continuation of our series on, uh, on the church, right? The kind of church the Lord wants to see here on the ground. And today we're going to talk about the authentic church, right? So today we're going to be looking at what does it mean? right? when for, for, for us to say that God wants us really to have an authentic church, what does it mean for us as the people of God to be authentic and genuine and sincere about things? It goes way deeper than just uh, a, a, a warm and sincere hello at the door, right? So, so let me get into it now. But first, let me pray. Let me pray. Let's Right. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray, Father God, that the that your unction will take over, Lord God, Father. That uh, you will give uh, uh, to 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 us, myself and Athelia, such authority over the word, and that you will grant to us such clarity of thought, such awakeness of spirit, such sensitivity uh, uh, to your to your prompting. And Father, we just pray that as we uh, as we share the word with you today, um, that you will. That you will speak. You will speak clearly. You will speak audibly uh, 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 in our hearts. We will be able to hear you and will be unmistakably you oh lord god and we pray that you'll minister to our hearts lord god and if there are any hurts in our hearts uh, uh, um that has uh limited us from being able to function at our best father we pray today will be a day of healing lord god so that we can really be cleansed from inside to be mu okay so lord we we we, we want to bless you in jesus name amen all right okay now um w- one of the things I really love is whenever in, in, in my own Bible study plan or whatever, I land in the Gospels, right? Every time I land in the Gospels, I really, I, I really enjoy it. I love the environment. I love the setting. I love the stories. But one of the things I love the most about reading the Gospel accounts of Jesus is that He's always, um, he's always so honest and real with everyone at every place he goes to, he goes through the whole, you know, Judean uh, uh, landscape. He he has different encounters with people, you know, um, and and in every city with everyone, he's just always so honest so so refreshing there's something so refreshing because when i read about jesus and how he is i know that there is no hidden agenda there is no kind of like he say one thing but he means something else you know he's just plain straight up guy and i love that i really love that you know and and you see it when when he's having like really sharp arguments with the pharisees you know you see it when he's when he's uh, straightening out uh, um, his disciples, sometimes you know, when for example, when they were when they were jostling uh, to see who could who who could have more dominance in, in in the group, right? And and how he just tells it to them straight, right? Nothing more, right? So he doesn't go in for the for to to, 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 to shame them or to punish them or whatever, you know. But nothing less, he doesn't. Hold back. He talks straight with them, right? And I, I, just love that. You even see it when he is, when he is uh, showing empathy to, to to the to the parias of the of the of the community, right? The people who are the untouchables, the the people who cannot be, um, be 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 con- the people who, well, how how should I put it? Um, people who are not accepted in in culture in society right and so so i just really want to say that that i love that about jesus i love that that he's so authentic and and through that i believe that for us when he calls us to role model him he's looking for a certain kind of church to be on the ground and so i want to share with you today right three points three points right about what an authentic church means right first we have to be authentic to one another right everybody say authentic to one another number two authentic to yourself and finally we want to see how authentic love is the goal right authentic love is the goal um but i'm not going to do this by myself today okay because i have my wife athelia here um who who, who uh Will be sharing with you the second point, going into the third. You know, so she's preaching about half of this sermon, and me, uh, the other half. Um, so I'm gonna, just gonna bookend it, you know, and she's gonna preach the middle section. Okay, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, so yes, but but you bear with me first, okay, okay, a little while, and then the main event will come. Okay, yeah, I was, I also, I also want to quickly preach my point so that she. Can, <laughs> Okay, okay, authentic to one another, right? Authentic to one another. Um, I laugh, laugh, laugh. But then the first scripture is suddenly so serious. So let me transit a little bit, okay? The first scripture is quite serious actually. You know, I, I was saying that Jesus is super authentic um everywhere he goes, uh and 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 with everybody he interfaces with, right? He just tells it straight. And at this point in Matthew 23, he is really telling it straight. He's really telling it straight to to the, to the Pharisees He says Woe to you Scribes and Pharisees Hypocrites For you are like whitewashed tombs Which outwardly appear beautiful But within are full of dead people's bones And all uncleanness you so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You know, as I was preparing for this sermon today, uh, um, uh, I, I started thinking, okay, what's the opposite of of authentic? And of course, the 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 lame answer is what? What's the opposite of authentic? The lame answer is not authentic, inauthentic, right? But that won't do, right? It's, it it won't do to just say that 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 inauthentic right so so really when you look at the at how jesus is in contrast to those who were inauthentic he called them hypocrites right and the picture he gives for them is that you are like whitewashed tombs you know what whitewashed tombs is the tomb on the outside the tombstone and all that right is do until nice nice, right? It looks beautiful. It's got it, it, it's whitewashed, they don't have like pain, you know, last time, but uh, um but it's made beautiful. Everything on the outside looks clean, but underneath it and right behind it is death and decay. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. He's using the tomb as a picture to say what's that what you show to everybody is so chanted. You show everybody your most chanted side. Everything looks nice, looks squeaky clean, looks perfect. But actually, underneath it, there is a deadness. Underneath it, there is something going on where, where, where that does not correspond. It doesn't cohere, right? That your internal... And your external do not cohere, and that's a problem. That's what Jesus is saying. There is a problem, right? And and uh, we've seen this before. I, I think maybe if you read books, you you you, you see it in movies, you watch TV. Uh, sometimes church and uh, maybe it's a little bit more Western media, and you know um, they they caricaturize Christians. They caricaturize churchy types you know so every time you see a church group uh, um uh, represented in in uh, in a film right usually everybody looks very picture perfect and they're all wearing their sunday best you know um and and everyone is 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 looking the part okay but then you see that the relationships if i can see have the next slide right um that that a church where appearances matter more than substance right that's that's a problem right um so 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 like like i was just saying right sometimes we see us our own christians right depicted in the media in a stereotypical way or or a caricaturized way where where we look good we look the part and everything okay but actually underneath it the relationships um are are weak are, are shallow at best we are polite with one another and that's all we have going at worst maybe we show up uh, trying to 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 keep up with the with the joneses right? and and, and to keep up with the joneses keep over to the, the joneses as well you know and like and and everybody shows up trying to just in a way like in, in, in a not so good way put their best foot forward to 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 to, to in, in, in a way that kind of like we keep up with the ones. That's right right Keep up with the ones, right um, you, you get what I mean lah You get what I mean Now this is not the kind of church God wants us to be Now he does want us to put our best foot forward But for him not for other people to see Right, and and when he and when he calls us into a family, often uh, he is looking for us to build deeper, stronger relationships, like genuine relationships. And but the thing is, one of the reasons why we are we we rarely access these things is because it's it's scary, right? It's we don't like feeling vulnerable but in order to build genuine relationship uh when someone asks you hey how are you doing you know um you can either say oh i'm good right or you can say um hey it's been it's been a tough week man yeah yeah but but you know and then maybe you can go from there you know from from some surfacial small talk into something more substantial and genuine and sincere uh but often we we find it hard to go there and maybe it's because we don't really know what to do with our own negative emotions. Maybe we don't really know what to do with, 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 with our feelings. And, and we can get more into this later, right? But but And then sometimes maybe we'll say, Oh, Pastor, no let's not be naive. In a, in a, in a church service, huh, so many people, there's no way we can be really sincere. It's in cells where we are really sincere. And we can take the mask off, you know? And really? really make church like you come for church service you know um uh can uh, uh, uh can, can 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 got a bit of license listen to be less authentic then in sales then we can we do the real thing there no matter what for we do this my son just go straight to sales right and guess what jesus went from city to city met lots of new people all the time Right? So that's not that's not an excuse to say that, oh, here I don't know the people very well, therefore I will be not I I will, you know, front a little bit, pretend a little bit, my show a little bit, my safe face a little bit. And Jesus was never like that. He went and met new people all the time. He was like really authentic with every single person as well. Right? So so let's, uh, let's get into the, the next one, right? Because, uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, this same motive Jesus gives the same motive uh, when he talks to the church in Sardis in Revelation 3. He says, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wow. It is quite strong, you know you've got a reputation for being alive meaning that reputation precedes you people know about you when they see you from outside the externals look so good it looks so alive it looks so vibrant if i may be cheeky you know because we, we are sibkl right maybe sometimes people say wow from outside you look so strong and excellent and dynamic right but what's happening inside are we really strong excellent and dynamic inside or god forbid end up like church in sardis on the outside look so gang, looks so happening looks so lively but actually on the inside there is something wrong but jesus is saying wake up you still have time right you still have time to to just to just make your your inside and your outside cohere right because right now it doesn't right now you're just manicuring your outside so that your outside looks really really good to the whole world and you're not carrying and tending to the garden behind the fence so church authentic church is a church that that tends to the garden behind the fence you know and and whatever happens on the fence uh, you know it looks good it looks good right but the most important thing is when people come in you know they get to really know us they see us for who we are there's no pretense there's no pretending there's no posturing there's no fronting. Amen? Now there's another thing, right? Uh, um, uh, now let's go a little deeper, right? Because because we we want to see a we want to see church look a certain way, but oftentimes an inauthentic, hypocritical church is a church that manages conflict just by keeping peace rather than making peace. Y'all know the difference between peacekeeping and peacemaking? A peacekeeping church does not dare. to 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 handle conflicts a peacekeeping church uh uh tries to walk around conflicts right steps around like oh um a and b are fighting oh no what do we do um let's 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 move them further away from each other that's what a peacekeeping looks like right um peacekeeping might come and say oh um um a and b um uh uh, just love each other Laho. just love each other But A is angry at B And B is hurt by A, right? Um, no Nola, no lah, just You know what? You know what? There's a Bible verse That sounds a lot like this And it's in Jeremiah chapter 6 Jeremiah chapter 6 Okay, Jeremiah God through Jeremiah calls out And says from the least to the greatest All are greedy for gain Now when we read this gain, we come back to it it sounds like a it sounds like a certain kind of gain right A uh uh, uh 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 external kind of gain right everybody wants to see you wow so good such so, so so peaceful everybody gets along you know all are greedy for gain prophets and priests alike all practice deceit they dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious peace peace they say when there is no peace so what is, what is Pastor Fergus trying to say? Is Fergus trying to say, um, you, no, you all should fight, you all should fight. Now nah, come, one, round one, fight, right? Is, is that what, is that what Fergus, no, of course I'm not saying that, right? But I'm saying that when there is no peace, you cannot call it peace. When there is conflict, it cannot, it must be managed, it cannot be left to fester. Right, but I know that maybe our culture here in Malaysia, all of us—not just Chinese, not just Indian, right—all our cultures here in Malaysia, or um, may- maybe even Asian, right—we um, we are maybe just a little bit even less confronting, uh, less less uh, um, interpersonally kind of like um, what's the right word? I don't know the right word, right? Um, than maybe some other cultures outside in this in the rest of the world. So sometimes we are a little bit more scared. Must show face. Must give face. Cannot admit that we have a problem problem and we can become like that but you know what they're saying when when there is a problem and there is a wound but you dress the wound as if it were not serious friends this is the or this is the OG gaslighting this is the original gaslighting right I mean you have you all heard of the expression gaslighting to gaslight someone is when they express something some emotion okay um, often negative emotion and you minimize it and you pretty much tell them that no your what you're experiencing is not real or what you're experiencing is not that it's not that bad one actually you know so so someone expresses negative emotion but you trivialize it and you divert it and you say it's not really the problem that's gaslighting and we think that this is a new thing we think that this is new lingo it is newer lingo you know but it's not a new phenomenon by any stretch right because Jeremiah was already calling out the priests of his day and the prophets of his day for this same phenomenon so church an authentic church an authentic church will not just be scared of handling you know um. Uh, uh, Conflicts When Conflicts are are part of our lives I I just want to be Really really frank With with all of us Conflicts are going to be Part of our lives And as a church I can say this Leaders We're going to run Into each other sometimes Confirm one Confirm where God, where God in this world you gather like hundred people, seventy-five devices, you know, and and you don't have people, you know, rubbing each other off the wrong way. It's part of life. The to be Christian is not to be happy schmappy you know my little pony my little right like that's not that's not even my little pony have conflict you're going and watch the cartoon you think it's all you know uh, rainbows even those little ponies have conflict and they deal with their conflicts how come church cannot deal with conflicts you know so that's how we are called but in order to deal with it we must be prepared to deal with negative emotions we must be prepared to 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 be able to hear and sit and listen not to short-circuit the process you know sometimes we like to short-circuit the process we just cut all the way to the end and say okay just make friends okay just 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 say sorry and just 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 uh, um, uh, get it over with why because we dare not deal with the fact that some people are still angry with others some people are gonna have to carry it a little longer and we hope they don't we pray with them we minister with them but sometimes the reality off paper right the practice is a lot more messy but we have to deal with the mess, and that's what an authentic church is like, right? And just one more, just one more. Um, an authentic church, or rather an inauthentic church, sometimes looks like this. It becomes, it looks like a church that is that has strong spiritual competencies, very strong spiritual competencies, but still can be spiritually immature. What does this look like? sometimes it looks like this that uh, i can uh i can preach very well okay but then i can't take feedback right if you give me feedback i get annoyed i get like and i snap back at you like what you think you're very clever you're very clever you go push ah. right it's like what Wow, this guy um, sermon boat so godly so holy you know and then come back down you know um, so much a monster like that right um, And but it happens you know it happens and of course I give you a caricaturized version right but can preach very well but short temper at home very short tempered, with the children very quick to school right yes we are all like that in one way or another but can be more authentic, okay, Um, can own up to some of these things a bit more, right? Um, Don't pretend and like whitewash tombs outside, like so chun like that, right? But behind, actually, only the wife knows, right, that this guy is a real, like, hot-headed at home or real lazy fella at home, you know, or something like that. And it can happen elsewhere also. It can happen in prayer. Wow, come to pray so much. But actually, maybe sometimes our praying, you know, our, our involvement in, in, in all these things can be worship. It can be any ministry, really. You can, find, you can find any ministry to give an example of this, that we can grow very high level of competency, okay, but still be spiritually immature can even pray and very long, very king, very powerful prayers, even cast out demons, even heal the sick, and it looks like spiritual maturity, but it's not. Because sometimes, um, these are the same people whose families may be neglected, who, who, who whom, like, if you if you were to speak to them about something happening in their lives, you know, they they, they might be very, like, oh, yeah, I know, you know, um, or something like that, right? There's so many ways in which we can... We can grow in the competencies of doing church. The praying, very king. The worship leading can become very king. Right? Uh, um, leading cell, you can lead such a strong uh, uh, word session right? and, still, and, and still not have a, a heart for that very word thing. Right? It, it, can, it can happen for anyone. Right? You can be the best at greeting people uh, and, and getting them to, to, like, to like say yes to Jesus. You know? But behind closed doors, different story. And friends, we don't want to be that kind of church. Do we want to grow in our skills, you know, as we as we minister and serve in the house? Of course, of course. But but let us make sure that we don't confuse spiritual competencies with spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is it grows slowly. Just because you picked up a new skill in church doesn't mean you became more spiritually mature right and we see this Jesus actually is very very blunt because he said that one day the day will come when you will say Lord Lord didn't we do all these things Didn't we cast out demons Didn't we prophesy weren't we so great weren't we so well trained every time you threw a training session at us we attended it or we became good we knew how to do church but Jesus said I look at you on the outside and I look at you on the inside because Jesus can I look at you on the inside I don't know you. I don't know you. You are two different people. Who knows you? Your friends don't know you. Your family don't know you. Only your wife knows you, right? Because she can see, or only your husband knows you, can, can smell out the hypocrisy. But nobody really knows you because you go about in a facade. It's a lie. Depart from me. Workers of lawlessness. See this word again, lawlessness. We saw earlier lawlessness as well. So, friends, as we as we move into wanting to be a church that is authentic, let us remember that it's very important to be authentic with one another. But my friends, authentic with one another is very, is very external. You know, a lot of it is it's about what how I treat you. Actually, you know what? The roots of our problems about being authentic with one another. A lot of those roots trace back to what's happening in our hearts when we can't be authentic to ourselves so for this i'm going to invite my dear wife ethelia to come and share with you They come and let's do this yeah. okay
1: hello hello i'm back um not for icebreaker this time uh okay this is a weird feeling i think we it's a yeah, something to get used to. Okay, let's, let's pick up from where he left off, all right? Um, authenticity uh, to yourself. Uh, I think interpersonal authenticity starts with, you know, being true to yourself. And I mean, it sounds very kind of like obvious, but there are actually several barriers to that. And today I want to talk about three of them. The three of them actually is... A, first one is a lack of self-awareness. Yeah, there's emotional stuntedness and inability to face our wounds. First one, okay, let's look at the lack of self-awareness. Huh? Um, a verse that I like is uh, Revelations 3.17. I think you can click. Yeah? To the, to the church in Laodicea, it says, right, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, piti- pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And so you see, in a sense, two states here. Um, You don't realize uh, how you truly are, and you think that you are okay. So there shows a lack of self-awareness to your true state of being. You know, you can't see reality and accept it. And uh, further down, Jesus says that, you know, I will spit you out. It's because God cannot do anything with without inauthentic selves, He cannot use us, he cannot uh, get through to us is because it's not real. And I think that, so this verse shows, you know, why um, facing reality is important. Um, Okay, the next barrier that I want to look at is uh, emotional stuntedness. Um, I was listening to a therapist talking and um, Say that the average person has an emotional vocabulary, uses an emotional vocabulary of about six words. And that's very, very little. Okay, um, saying that uh, emotionally mature, vocabulary should be at about at least 20 words or more. So six words actually means you're, you're like infantile or kindergarten. And I think after thinking about it, right, it, that's, that's actually quite true for many of us. Uh. Uh, we can see it when, you know, we ask like, how are you? And the most common reply by far would be actually busy. Okay, that's, that's like kind of like the number one. How are you? Oh, I'm busy. Or, you know, uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm okay. I'm cool. And these are actually not feeling words, you know. We don't know how to express and articulate uh, how we really are doing. You know, we don't have a grasp of our interior world. It's because, you know, there's there's that lack of self-awareness. And the third thing actually, or actually one of the reasons why we don't have this self-awareness and why we emotionally stunted is we've been... we are unable to kind of face our wounds and our hurts and disappointments. We've actually been uh, conditioned to turn away from it. Um, You can click the next slide, yeah. We're conditioned to avoid or suppress or deny or minimize. So many words here, right? Rationalize or intellectualize our hurts and disappointments. And I think what that looks like is how many of us catch ourselves saying things like, um, actually it's not that big a deal that's minimizing, or I shouldn't complain, you know, because other people have it you know, worse than me. And that's just rationalizing away. Um, how you feel or I should just get over it and uh, it's a wallowing that's that's um, Suppressing or denying it Minimizing uh, or I don't want to trouble others and uh, all these are Actually denials of your own reality yeah? and by doing that um, You're actually avoiding it's avoidance uh. in fact uh, studies have shown that um, The root of most addictions um, is actually, or rather most addictions are a faulty coping mechanism that people develop in order to avoid pain. And you have, you know, many different kinds of addictions. You have the kinds that are morally frowned upon, like there's gambling, there's alcohol, there's porn, there's um, drugs, but there are also socially acceptable forms of um, avoidance, like workaholism, um, mothering, <laughs> I say that with some some degree of self-awareness or, you know, to be more inclusive, maybe we should say parenting, right? But um, entertainment, that's a common one. Social media. Now, how many of us have been guilty of just mindlessly scrolling as a form of avoiding, or, you know, you just don't want to engage, um, on a full level. And so you, you resort to just, just, um, superficial kind of like scrolling up. Even ministry can be used as an avoidance. And, um, I want to tell a story here about the founder of World Vision. His name was, uh, Bob Pierce, you know, he's passed away, but I read his uh, biography, maybe about uh, 10 years ago. And uh, I think many of us have heard about World Vision. You know, they are a very well-known organisation. They've um, had a lot of impact in the world. They've saved like thousands of children's lives, um, and they're still running. You know, you see their booths uh, and their programmes. And uh, I guess their impact is is undeniable. But um, the founder, Bob Pierce, personally, he his story is actually a really tragic one of avoidance. Um, He was so busy, I guess, saving the world, saving other children, that he neglected his own wife and three children. Um, He would prefer to spend all his time on the road. So I think something like 10 out of 12 months, he was traveling. He was rarely home, he was rarely physically available, and he was definitely emotionally unavailable to the whole family. And um, the wounds that that left on them were so permanent and devastating that eventually one of his daughters took her own life. And he couldn't face up to that reality. He denied it, actually, till the day he died. He died estranged from his wife and his surviving children. There was a brief um, reconciliation at the end, but it was a a superficial one, superficial one, you know, and um, for all the good that he did, I think the consequences of him not facing up to the, the pain and damage that he caused was devastating interpersonally. And I think that I use this not to... I use this story not to scapegoat ministry, but to show you that anything can be used as a shield to block you from facing realities that you consider too painful. But the consequences of avoidance uh, are devastating. A devastating to, I guess, the people around you, the people who are closest and who love you, but they also have devastating consequences to yourself, upon your, your own being. And I think that's, that's when I move on to my next point. A consequences of an inauthentic self is, here, numbness, and you actually block access to God. The problem of avoiding your wounds and your pains, not facing up to it, is that it actually reduces your ability to feel joy. It reduces your humanity. You become a shell, you know, you can, I mean, the motif a whitewash tomb, right? You can be smiling and praising God on the outside. But inside, you are decaying. You be, And eventually, you become unresponsive to reality. You're numb. And the problem with that is that When you cut yourself off from reality, you cut yourself off from God because God is real. Reality is where we meet God. And if you are not in reality, you cannot meet God. You know, sometimes if we say that, you know, you feel far from God or you're not really, you don't feel that he's real. Maybe we need to look at what we have blocked out or numbed from our lives. You know, what painful realities we have buried, and those may may be the very pathways that lead you to God, you know, and you can't avoid them. So yeah, that's, so what's the solution actually? What's the solution to, to, in a sense, an inauthentic self? The solution actually starts by being willing to look beneath the surface. And being able to live in brokenness and vulnerability, you need to turn towards your pain. You need to walk through, literally, the valley of the shadow of death. You know, there is. I think there's another verse, I, it just came to me just now, right? That there is a path that seems like death, but it leads to life. And that's the only way to life, is that you need to walk through it. The only way to heal is to turn towards your pain And walk through it That's the children's rhyme that says You know, you can't go over it You can't go under it You can't go around it You have to go through it But you don't go through it alone You allow God into the process and You allow God to walk with you That's why His rod and His staff It comforts you The Nothing can, you know You, you do not fear walking through that valley Because He will protect you And as as you journey through it, it cannot be a conditional journey. Uh, I, I, I hear people say like, you know, um, I'm going to give myself like X amount of time to feel it. And then after this, I need to move on. I need to, um, I need to move on with my life. I need to get up and, you know, I can't afford to to wallow. And I think we fear that, right? We fear that, that once we, we go through this, we will never come out of it, that, that there's going to be a permanent permanent state. But the irony is that the very act of putting that limit, the very act of kind of like engaging with it conditionally, is the very thing that will keep you in it. Because, you know, you're not in control. You don't get to dictate how long or how deep, you know, or or how rough the path will be. You just need to journey through it and trust that God will take you out on the other side. And in the process, you know, that we are transformed, actually grief and pain, um, it's transformative Um, to the very depths of our soul, actually, that it changes you, it enlarges your capacity, it it humanizes you um, in a way that no other force does, actually. And so we need to embrace, we need to embrace that. We we can't turn away from that pain and sorrow and and fear it. We need to lean into it. And and that is what God wants from us. That is what He desires. Uh, I want to show you Psalm 51. You know, it says that surely... You know, God desires truth in in our inner parts, in the deepest parts of our soul, in the in our shadowy and broken parts. You know, it says that a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. And I want to spend some time unpacking this. Okay, now this psalm was written by David, and it's often used uh, shown as a repentant psalm, right? You know, he he wrote it to express uh, guilt and remorse over his sin in. Um, committing adultery, Bathsheba, and then arranging for her husband to be murdered. And so we, we t- tend to approach this some as, as, you know, from that angle, like, oh, it's about repentance, you know, and it is. Um, but it, I think there's a deeper level to it, that um, it is sometimes in our brokenness, in, in very bad situations in our life that we we are pushed towards vulnerability and facing um, The worst parts of our soul the truths you know the realities the painful realities of our interior world that's when we are forced to turn inward and look at it and and sit in a sense naked before god and say that yeah this is who i really am you know we desire truth this is the truth of what i am made out of this is this is me and the thing is that God doesn't turn away from it in disgust. It says a broken and a contrite heart. Contrite actually has its roots in the word of shattered, of regrets. The things that you know we, the things that we wish we hadn't done, the, the things, uh, situations that we wish aren't that way. You know, God does not despise. God does not look down on us for that. God does not. Um, God does not make us f- feel that. We shouldn't be that way. Okay, well, I take a breath because it's quite heavy. You know, Jesus does not despise us in our weakness. You know, in fact, um, the incarnation is an ultimate act of empathy. And Jesus literally became flesh and blood. He took on humanity so that he could journey with us. He could completely identify with our brokenness, and. And understand us and so we we don't need to be afraid of rejection or fear in a sense how deep and dark in a sense our our interiors can look because he knows and he wants us to contend with it to reckon with it and it is true that contending and reckoning that we receive that healing that we receive that 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 we become we move towards wholeness um, and he journeys with us through it okay, I think we can take the slide off and say that Jesus is our wounded healer and he doesn't he doesn't diminish our wounds uh, I think I'd like to talk a bit about how you know I said earlier that we've been conditioned to, to minimize because I think that there's a lot of shame about displaying weakness and a lot of it stems from you know some of our culture, parental and authority figures who don't give us permission to feel unpleasant emotions. A lot of times it's because uh, they can't handle it. Um, How many of us have been told, right, like, stop crying or I'll give you something to really cry about, right? And that's a form of minimizing, you know, or we've been told, right, you're making a big fuss over nothing. Or, you know, stop being so needy. You know, don't be such a baby. All these, I guess, are examples of, of authority figures um, treating our wounds as not serious, as Jeremiah said, right? And that's why we've learned to bury it. But I think part, and the work that we are now left to do is to unlearn those reflexes, to undo that, and um, to be Reparented by Father God, where you know you come to Him and He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say that you're just getting what you deserve or what did you expect, you know. But He weeps with us, you know. He he mourns with our losses and and what wounds us matters to Him. And isn't true the empathy that we receive from Him that we can walk through it into healing. And so I just want to encourage all of us to work up, work up the courage to go through that. Um, I think we talked about Courageous Church a while back, but uh, I think this is a, a different kind of courage that is needed. But it is a path of death, and it would feel like dying, but it leads to life, it leads to wholeness, and it leads to a really a true liberation that can only come from in a sense being resurrected in that way and the ultimate goal i said is, is is wholeness and healing a restoration of self a, a, in a sense a harmonizing of your interior and exterior worlds a cleansing from deep within you know and um, the, more, the, the whole point of this process is being truly and authentically healed and made whole so that we can love authentically. you know um, in fact you know the authentic the, the goal of discipleship is authentic love you know that's the whole that, that's the whole point of why we follow Christ actually oh, you know when we say that God is love and um, let's go to the next slide you know John 13 when he says that a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one another. So what distinguishes us as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ is how well we love. It is not um, in the signs and wonders that we do. It is not in um, our exercise of spiritual gifts. It is not in um, our biblical knowledge. Even all these things are important, but true spiritual maturity is in genuinely loving one another. I think we go to, there was a cell, I think, looking at our first John 4, can we have that slide? You know, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. And uh, I think what this shows is that authentic love has three components. Um, when Jesus says, right, that all the commandments can be summarized into this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. The three components that You love God. You love yourself. And you love your brother. You love one another. Um, and this illustrates, you know, the triune nature of God, that there are three, three in one, right? And so authentic love has three components. You know, loving God well, loving yourself well, and loving one another well. And you cannot have one without the other three. And that's, 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 that's our goal of spiritual maturity. And uh, that's where I would land, <laughs> and pass the time back over to um, Perks, Pastor Perks.
0: Thanks so much, thanks so much, Thalia. Um, maybe you can just take a moment, and even just in, as you take a moment, just to take stock of, of um, all the things that you heard today. In what ways do we avoid? I think that, that part, when I was just hearing Thalia prepare, um, um, over the last few days uh, it made me start to think in what ways do I avoid in what ways do I um, uh, try to hide behind ministry or hide behind busyness hide behind all these things in order to to, um, to not to not face up la to some of my, my, my own things and I think we all have them why don't we just spend a moment to just reflect and, and to think about it because the day is going to come, not long from now, that these doors in our church building are going to open up. And as these doors open up, we are—we're going to have people walk in. What kind of church will they encounter? Are they going to encounter a church and meet a church that—that that is full of—I don't know—I don't know, full, 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 full of. Um, People who 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 are who are great on the outside, you know, um, can show and, and like, but ten months on the road, you know, um, all kinds of all, all kinds of great ministry, you know, it's very sad. What's his name again? Bob Pierce, right? Um, he, he he, I I read this. He said that he had made a deal with God, that you that you will look after my house as I as I save the families out there in this world you will you will look after my family in exchange and and i'm i'm not convinced that that god was i'm not sh- i'm not convinced that god was in that bargain i'm not convinced that god ever wanted him to set that bargain because the lord always wants us to to be straight and to come clean with who we are on the inside to face to do the difficult work And sometimes the difficult work is not the heroic work Sometimes the difficult work is the, is, is the grind, is the, is the daily plodding in front of the faithfulness, in front of our families, in front of our weaknesses, and all these things that we want to avoid the most. My friends, when our doors open and when people start coming into our church, beyond the 74, 75 devices logged in today, what are they going to find? A church that is ready, a church that, that is honest, authentic, God forbid, they see a church that doesn't know how to doesn't even know or dare how to face itself. Right? And that won't be a blessing to them. I just want to be real straight. That won't be a blessing to them. So friends, right now we just want to pray. Oh, lead us all to pray. Because you have heard about what happens when there is a huge disconnect on the inside of us. When we don't dare to face. When we don't dare to face. And if any one of you you're looking for prayer not because of like oh yeah this is just a routine you know it's time to pray you know Um, they're going to ask for prayer they're going to minister but if there is something inside you that you're even afraid to to acknowledge um, I just want you to be able to say it out today just to say it out today and I'm going to say a short prayer right now and I want you to be able to say it out. You're all muted so nobody can hear. And if you're in a, in, in a room uh, with a family member, uh, then I want you to say it quietly to yourself. But I'm going to say this prayer and I want to encourage all of you to repeat it after me. Heavenly Father, from this day onwards, I want to acknowledge all the things happening in my heart. I want to acknowledge my greatest fears Father, I am afraid, I'm afraid of this, I want you to name it I'm afraid of this about myself, I want you to name it It might be a personal weakness, it might be a character flaw that you've been carrying around with you for many years It might be a sin that you've not been able to deal with adequately It might be something, a relationship problem that just bugs you all the time but you don't know how to deal with it. Lord, I surrender these things to you. But I surrender it, Lord, not in a way that where I I release all responsibility. Lord Jesus, today I surrender it to you by asking you to come in, by asking you to help me, by asking you to take over. As I nail it to the cross, It is not a cross that I just flee from. It is a cross that I daily bear. Even as Jesus said, if any man were to follow me, or woman, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. Father, we want to pick up these crosses and say, Lord, help us. Help us. I dare not face but help me give me courage give me strength and help me through in jesus name amen now church we are arriving at the end of today's service but we're not done yet i really want to just invite in a moment uh our brother lionel to come and lead us in worship Um, but even even as we do that um if you have a prayer item if there is something that you just prayed for you, you, you just said this prayer after me, right? And if you want to pray with someone Remember? I think we like to do things on our own Remember how we like to uh, avoid uh, um, journeying with people Because, you know, we're scared We're scared that it looks bad We don't even dare to type pray Because, ayo, so paise, you know uh, Macam my life so messy like that You know, I'd rather people not think about me Maybe sometimes like that You know, I want to encourage you to just type pray into the zoom chat. And if today it's a little beyond you, then what you can do is you can just type pray to the people whose names have a CT, you know, and they will and they will find you a breakout room to be in. But I want to encourage you to reach out to someone. Don't do this alone. Christian life is not walking alone, my friends. It's really not. And I'm committed to this. As your shepherd in this church, I'm committed to fostering a, a culture around you. A culture around each of us. Where well, we don't do this alone. We have each other. And part of the having each other is the walking with God. It teaches us to love God, love ourselves, love each other. And you can't take one out of that tree. The reason why Athelia said it's a triune pattern is because they, they all must exist together. You can't not want to be in communion with one another and say that you are in communion with God. It just doesn't work that way. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Bapa kami bersyukur, Tuhan, Engkau akan mengiringi kami, Tuhan, seumur hidup kami. You will be with us. You will walk with us all the days of our lives. And we don't have to fear your rod, your staff comfort us. You know, my friends, as we were preparing for this sermon, Athelia asked me, why does the rod and staff comfort the sheep? My initial thought is, it gives leadership, lah, you know, you you kind of like bump the sheep a little bit, you know, it gives them comfort to know that the shepherd is there. And then she, she took a moment and then she turned to me and said, maybe the rod and sheep the rod and staff are there to comfort the sheep to know that that the rod and staff is supposed to be used on the enemies of the sheep on on the wolves on 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 the bears on the lions that the shepherd holds a rod and the staff and if that's the journey that you're on right now all your life the rod and staff is <laughs> supposed to be used on you and you're scared and because of that you're afraid of of being true and the lord says no i will i will crush every every shame i will remove it from you every pain i'll remove it from you so that he applies the rod and stuff onto the things that bring you harm onto the things that bring you hurt onto the things that bring that cause you fear and he removes them with his rod and his stuff Father, I just want to thank you, Lord God, that today you can bring healing deep into our hearts. You can do a work deep in us to bring restoration so that we can truly love better. We can really love better. We can love you better. We can love ourselves better. We can love each other better. So Lord, separate us now with your blessing. And Father, we just want to pray, Father God, and ask for your blessing. The Lord bless you. My church, the Lord keep you. The Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you peace. And all of God's people, shout aloud, Amen.